hello, all you hardheads. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are in this beautiful world of ours. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Welcome to episode five of the Hardheaded Sports Podcast, hosted by me, Nick Ryan. It's wonderful to see you. It's wonderful to have you here today. I am super excited for the show today. Um, a little bit of an unconventional show. Um, you know, whenever you're planning for a show, um, it's very difficult to get things correct in terms of preparation because you can either be overprepared or you can be underprepared. It's very difficult to be perfectly prepared for a show. If you're overprepared, you run the risk of taking a look at your notes and just reciting a script more than you are creating an organic, fun show. But when you're underprepared, you run the risk of just rambling and making things incoherent and unorganized. And we're going to be verging on the the side of unorganized today. But it's not, not for a lack of preparation, so to speak. It's more that I just didn't know what I wanted to talk about today. <laughs> um, that's Okay, that's a bit of a half-lie. It's not that I didn't know what to talk about. It's that I had so much to talk about that I couldn't choose. I guess that's a better way of phrasing it. Um, I hope you all had a really good time watching the divisional round of, of the NFL playoffs this weekend. There were some good games. There were some not-so-good games. And, of course, it depends on what your definition of a good game is because there were a lot of games that before halftime, the score was with under 10 points for both teams. Now, a lot, uh, for the casual fan, it was probably an absolute snooze fest, but for those of you who are maybe more invested in football, have an understanding about what takes place on a given play, understanding how difficult it is to score sometimes, uh, and also understanding that a low-scoring game can be a good game just because that the teams aren't scoring doesn't mean that the game isn't interesting. You know, it really depends on what your, your classification of a good game is, but I thought there were plenty of good games this weekend and I really didn't know what to talk about today so what I ended up doing is in my notes and I can maybe put a screenshot on screen for those watching the YouTube video afterwards uh, I could put a screenshot in the video I all, all my notes basically today are one sentence phrases for every single NFL team that played this weekend and nothing more literally nothing no other notes besides that and you know, some of them some of them are are bolded, some of them are not bolded, and I the the reasoning is I went through all of this, I I typed out a one sentence phrase, and I basically said, okay, out of all of these, what would be more interesting to talk about for me, as opposed to what I could talk about, and that's the other risk with making a show is that what is more interesting to talk about. And what do you want to talk about as opposed to what you can talk about? Because not everything that you can talk about is necessarily newsworthy. And then it also goes towards knowing your audience, but we're not at a point in that show yet. So again, to avoid sounding like a broken record for the last time, one sentence phrases for each team in the NFL that played in the divisional playoffs this weekend. Uh, and they are as following. The Chiefs are in trouble. The Browns put the NFL on alert. The Packers will win the Super Bowl. The Rams need to move on from Goff. The Bills are just that good. The Ravens need more than just Lamar. The time is right for Brees to go, and the Buccaneers are ahead of schedule. 
And uh, I, I have, again, some of those in bold. The others I have left to the side in case we you know talk about everything that I wanted to talk about first and we find ourselves on the shorter side of things. I think Monday should always be a longer show just because of the fact that it is Monday. There's no you know, sports television apart from the games over the weekend. So there should be plenty to talk about, but, um, we're almost five minutes into the show already. And I've said nothing. I've said squat, absolutely nothing of value. So let's just, let's just get into it. Uh, I feel like I should have like a wheel of fortune spin wheel right here to try and, and select. Maybe I should do that one day. Maybe I should get a uh, sports wheel and just do a random click and then do random topics. Something to think about. Uh, and if you guys have any suggestions, constructive criticism, that is always helpful to me, uh, especially on the YouTube side of things. Of course, if you know me directly, it's also good to give direct feedback, but um, feedback is very much appreciated. Okay. See, this is, this is the side of going on an unorganized, a more unorganized uh, uh, setup is we start to ramble a little bit, but I guess if I'm doing a mental wheel of fortune wheel and I'm seeing which one of those sentences I want to talk about first, I think the one that pegs my interest the most is the time is right for Drew B Drew Brees to go for Drew Brees to retire. Of course, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeating the New Orleans Saints by a score of 30 to 20 last night, uh, much to the enjoyment of my roommate who I could hear screaming at the at the television halfway across the house uh, in pure joy uh, because of the <laughs> the lack of uh, excitement and happiness that he's felt as a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan for so many years. But uh, Drew Brees potentially playing his last night at his last game as a New Orleans Saint reports coming out before the game saying Drew Brees will retire at uh, at the end of the season whenever that would have been it appears to be now well it, it is now because uh the the Saints ended up losing of course Drew Brees coming after the game and saying I have not made a decision yet give me some time to think about it and I'll make a decision and that's that is basically non-news. That's exactly what Drew Brees is supposed to say. That's exactly what he is told to say. That as a member of the media, that's your generic retirement response is, I haven't thought about it. Uh, so anybody saying, oh, maybe he's thinking about coming back again for another season. Even if that's true, that using the statement, the post-game press conference statement by Drew Brees as uh, evidence to the fact that he may be coming back is is not strong just because everybody will say that. Um, but I was watching the game last night, and obviously Drew Brees did not have his best performance. A couple of interceptions, uh, not really pushing the ball down the field. It, it reminds me a lot of when Peyton Manning was on the verge of retirement. And Peyton Manning, of course, one of the all-time greats quarterback, Drew Brees, in that same conversation, they both have seats at the dinner table of in the conversation of best quarterbacks of all time. And uh, you you were watching the game, and it was very clear that Drew Brees did not have the stuff to be able to lead the Saints to a victory in that game. It reminded me a lot of when Peyton Manning was playing in his last year, where, excuse me, it was very evident that he did not have the stuff either. He had trouble throwing the ball. He didn't really have a great season to end the season. And you could tell that it was past the time to go. 
Um, some players in the NFL retire early, very unexpectedly. First name that comes to mind is Andrew Luck. That was what people would consider a surprising early retirement. Other players stick around far too long. They have trouble leaving the game. Um, like Peyton Manning, I think, who overstayed his welcome by a season or two. Um, and and, and they, they play to the point where their bodies are breaking down and it's unpleasant to watch and it's very evident that they need to retire. And then you have cases like Drew Brees to where if he were to retire at this very given moment, it would be the right time to go. And there was just this feeling as the game came to a close Drew Brees, with Drew Brees, that this was his last game. It felt like he was taking it all in. I'm sure if the fans were there, he would be, you know, in, enjoying the moment with the fans. But it just felt like it was all coming to an end. And if you go an extra season, you run the risk of having a Peyton Manning type exit in which. You, you aren't playing well. You don't look great. It was very evident that you should have retired the year before. And it doesn't put a, it doesn't dampen your legacy, but it makes your retirement that less special. I think you could argue that if your retirement is coming too late, obviously your, your, your legacy as a, as a Hall of Fame quarterback, a first ballot Hall of Famer is going to be celebrated, but it's like, yeah, it, it was time. You, you could see that it was time as opposed to as opposed to a natural end of things, I guess is the point that I'm going towards. So I personally feel like it's the right times for Brees to retire. He has passing records. He has a Super Bowl ring. He he should have had more Super Bowl rings. Of course, I think a lot of bad defenses and and some, some iffy, obviously, officiating Rob Drew Brees of the chance to win more. But as it stands, I think he should call a career. I think he should be happy with what he's accomplished. And at the end of the day, it really falls on Drew Brees. Is Drew Brees comfortable with leaving the game in this manner? You know, I, I and, and the reason that I'm saying, yes, he's comfortable with leaving, he's going to retire, um, and I'd be shocked if he doesn't, is that he genuinely lost this year. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the New Orleans Saints, whereas in years prior, especially with a, a game like the Minnesota Vikings game in the championship, in the NFC championship game, or not the, excuse me, the divisional playoffs, where the Saints got robbed. You know, it was an, it was a bad officiating blunder. They got robbed. If, if Drew Brees were coming off of that loss, he would definitely play next year. But the, 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 the Saints lost legitimately this year. And of course, they lost legitimately in all those other years. But the you get the point that I'm trying to make. There was no controversy involved. The Saints were flat out the worst team last night in that game. So, you know, there there's no feeling of vindication or anger saying we got robbed. We need to come back next year and make it right. There's no, well, we were in the Super Bowl and we couldn't get it. So we should come back next year and run it back. No, it's we lost to a division rival in the divisional round in a game in which we probably should have won, but we shot ourselves in the foot. And that's the only thing that is the only thing that would bring Drew's breeze back is the feeling, well, I personally let my team down and I need to come back and make things right. But of course, the flip coin of that is, man, I played horrible. Maybe it's time to hang up the cleats. So um, I think either way. 
I, I, I just running all these scenarios through my head, I don't see Drew Brees coming back next year. I would be very, very surprised. And if he does come back next year, it does, again, run the risk of ending up more like a Peyton Manning retirement in which it's like, dude, you need to stop playing as opposed to a... And I'm struggling to come up with an example for the alternative uh, um, retirement I guess maybe like a Brett Favre retirement, although he didn't necessarily retire, did he? He came back uh, three separate times. But watching the game last night, very evident Drew Brees was not Drew Brees. He was playing injured, obviously, 11 broken ribs and a punctured lung throughout the, the season. But at the time, for me, is right for Drew Brees to go, and his legacy should be celebrated as one of the best quarterbacks to ever live. Um. So I guess the, the next logical place to go after that is to the other side of the coin, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, of course, the, the phrase that I use today for the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is that the Buccaneers are ahead of schedule. And going into the season, and especially when things were not going right for the Buccaneers, I was always under the impression that the Buccaneers were not going to win a Super Bowl this year, but they were going to win a Super Bowl next year. And that was just because there was very evidently a chess match going on between uh, head coach Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. And the timetable as to when the Buccaneers would be Super Bowl contenders, for me, would would be based on, okay, when is Bruce Arians going to get out of the way, get out of the way and let Tom Brady be Tom Brady? Because Tom Brady and Bruce Arians both have, both have tremendous egos. And when you have an ego clash like that, especially between head coach and quarterback, there can be a lot of disorganization. And I think that is what you would see and that what you have seen when you take a look at how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' season went. Of course, starting off um, with a loss to the Saints in Week 1, and then things didn't necessarily get that much better. It was very inconsistent. Some weeks they looked great. Other weeks, I mean... One week, they completely blew out the Green Bay Packers, who, you know, as at the top of the show, I said, I think we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Completely blew out the Packers, and then they drop a bunch of absolute duds. I can't remember exactly the score and the team, but I remember just, like, uh, uh, Tom Brady getting absolutely annihilated. Um, I think it was a primetime game as well. Um, but the team looked just disjointed and... Uh, uh, all of a sudden, a team that was considered to be a Super Bowl contender was only 7-5 and five, uh, by Week 13 of the season. And, of course, they won the rest of their games after the Week 13 bye made the entire difference. And that is the point that I think a lot of experts will point to and I'll continue to point to as well as a turning point in the season when Bruce Arians was, finally was able to say, fine, this is your team. I step out. Let's start focusing the offense. Let's start adapting the offense to you instead of you adapting to the offense. And I think that was the biggest problem because keep in mind Tom Brady's forty three years old. He, he of course he I think his arm, his arm structure, his arm fidelity is much better than Drew Brees's, and that's very evident in how the game was played last night. Drew uh, uh, Tom Brady was able to drive the ball with much more force than Drew Brees was able to. Now, granted, Tom Brady wasn't playing with a recovering eleven broken ribs and a punctured lung, but I digress. 
last night looked more like a Tom Brady offense. It looked more like an offense that Tom Brady played with the Patriots, as opposed to the first 12 weeks of the season where it was very evident that Bruce Arians was trying to fit a circular ball into a square hole with Tom Brady, trying to get Tom Brady to adapt to his offense, trying to throw different passes and different schemes than he ran in New England, instead of Bruce Arians saying, okay, I understand that my offense was fantastic last year, but you're the greatest of all time. We need to cater better to you. So since that realization and since that switch happened so early, that's why the Buccaneers are ahead of schedule. And that's why the Buccaneers are in the NFC championship game this year, because I had originally thought that this realization by Bruce Arians was going to happen at the end of this season after the Buccaneers got an early exit from the playoffs. But to the point that they are now competing in the NFC Championship against the Green Bay Packers, that realization, that flipped switch by Bruce Arians and Tom Brady made all the difference. And of course, there's other there's other variables at play. Tom Brady getting more comfortable with the, with the Buccaneers receiving core. The, the addition of Antonio Brown, who that which hasn't been as monumental as a lot of people thought it was going to be, but still having another weapon like that for Tom Brady um, was great for Tom Brady. And the Buccaneers genuinely are a threat. Now, I think that the defense, the defense was what won the Buccaneers the game yesterday. Um, obviously, intercepting Drew Brees three times is going to be able to win you a lot of games and... The field position was really good off of those defensive turnovers as well. It wasn't like, oh, uh, Drew Brees is throwing long bombs and they eventually end, they, they essentially equate to punts but just end up in the interception category. No, like these interceptions were in Saints territory. They gave the Buccaneers great field position and the Buccaneers were able to drive past the, the, the Saints and be able to win the game. The defense is what ended up winning the game for Tampa Bay last night, but it still doesn't subside the fact or, or, or overshadow the fact that Tom Brady and Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers offense still, even though they had a slow start, still mostly have it together. And since that switch in week 13 where Bruce Arians said, okay, I'm going to let you be Tom Brady, the Buccaneers are playing much better. They're ahead of schedule and they are a threat in the NFC. Um, I, I Again, I don't think they're going to beat the Packers. I think you need to be able to outscore the Packers. That's kind of like a, a no-dust statement. You need to outscore the other team in order to beat them. Like, good job, good job, you know, sports commentator. Brilliant, brilliant analysis there. But um, my my point is is that you don't you don't slow down or you don't like completely stop the Packers. You need to slow them down um, and in that essence outscore them. And I don't think that the Buccaneers have enough on defense to be able to do that. But um, the Buccaneers are, are still ahead of schedule. I thought they were going to be bounced out in either the wild card or the division around. And here they are in the NFC championship. And it's all because Bruce Arians and Tom Brady stopped their, their ego chess match and started to work together, uh, as opposed to trying to force, trying to force each other's will upon each other. Uh, and I think that that is what you'll look at. When you take a look at the Buccaneers' tale of two seasons, starting off seven and five, ending uh, eleven and five, and now, of course, as I as I say repeatedly, in the NFC Championship game. So, and it's and it's good to see um, for Tom Brady that he was able to do this without Bill Belichick. And 
you know, I guess if you wanted to get into a discussion about who won the divorce between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, I think the people that are shouting, oh, Tom Brady won, are now shouting it even louder, saying, uh, with taking a look at where Tom Brady is as opposed to Bill Belichick. But um, it certainly was not without a lot of effort and a lot of uh, learning curve from uh, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, so Buccaneers are ahead of schedule. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they do against the Green Bay Packers. I don't think we'll, they'll win that game. Uh, at least that's my opinion now, but we'll see. We'll see how things end up uh, towards the end of the week. Maybe I'll end up changing my mind. Uh, so I guess since we, since we were kind of talking about the Packers uh, in that last segment, talking about the Buccaneers, uh, the, sta- the statement that I said for the Packers and it's a pretty big statement. <laughs> I think this is probably the biggest statement that you can make, and this is certainly a, a hot take. Well, maybe it's not so much of a hot take, but this is definitely an early call. Uh, but the Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers, in my mind, will win the Super Bowl. They are by far the best team in the NFL right now. They are the most complete team in the NFL right now. It, it reminds me a lot of the 2010 Super Bowl winning Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is playing fantastic. He's playing at an MVP caliber, and the Packers have a pretty good defense. It's not a great defense, but it's a passable defense um, that has some really good players. Probably the best corner duo in the N- or excuse me, the best safety duo in the NFL, or one of the best safety duos, plus a really good quarterback, a uh, cornerback in uh, Alexander, and. They are really hard to stop. They are really hard to keep up with in terms of scoring. And the only team that can do that is Kansas City. And I'm not very confident in Kansas City, which is why I'm going ahead with my opinion, saying that the Green Bay Packers will win the Super Bowl. Um, as much as it, as much as it is the fact that I'm confident in how well Aaron Rodgers is playing and how confident he seems, it's also the fact that I just don't see consistency in any of the remaining AFC teams that would be able to really be able to slow down the Packers enough to beat them. The Kansas City Chiefs potentially playing without Patrick Mahomes this next week, although I think we'll play. Obviously, we'll get into that a little bit later. But the Bills have had some slow starts as well. Um, they didn't, I mean, they, they, they beat the Ravens, but it wasn't a tremendous performance, especially by the offense. I think the defense is what carried the bills in that game to be able to shut down Lamar, which is great. Uh, but Lamar is not Aaron Rodgers. It's a different style quarterback. Um, obviously, but when I look at green Bay this season, I take a look at the confidence in Aaron Rodgers and just how relaxed and confident he seems. And it, it, you take a look at that demeanor and it's like, well, how do you stop a man who knows he's that bad, like that bad of a man? How do you stop somebody like that? And maybe, you know, my, my, my thinking is, and that this is such a funny thought, it's that you know, at the beginning of the season, everybody was absolutely clowning on the Green Bay Packers organization, as they rightfully should have, for drafting Jordan Love in the first round instead of a, a wide receiver. Um, it was somebody like a CeeDee Lamb. I think CeeDee Lamb was taken at that point, but like a Justin Jefferson, um, uh, a Rashad Higgins. Like, there were good wide receivers available, and they chose Jordan Love. And everybody's like, well, how is that going to affect Aaron Rodgers? Like, He's got to be pissed. He's got to be really upset. And 
not only, I mean, the debate about how he felt about it, that's neither here nor there, but the drafting of Jordan Love has not damaged Aaron Rodgers' product on the field. It's only made him better. It's propelled him to have one of the most impressive seasons that he's had in his entire career. And I just find that mind-blowing, and I'm like, well, maybe there's like a 5% chance that Matt LaFleur and um, uh, uh, Goodkins, uh, uh, the, the uh, GM or the owner of the Packers, uh, there's maybe like a 1.5% chance that they actually knew what they were doing when they were poking the bear that is Aaron Rodgers, that, they were, that he was going to come out and play this incredible. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know. That that seems like a long shot, but I just it, it, the irony is is not past me that this happened. Every, everybody thought that Aaron Rodgers was going to be super pissed, and maybe he was pissed, and maybe that is what allowed him to have this great season. But uh, it, it I just find it so funny that that this happened the way that it did. But uh, to to that point, uh, the fact that they didn't draft a wide receiver, the wide receiver core this year has really shown up for the Green Bay Packers. I think Devontae Adams has has cemented himself, implanted himself as a top three uh, wide receiver in this league, especially when you take a look at what a perceived top three wide receiver Michael Thomas did last night against the Buccaneers. That's a big fat zero catches for zero yards. I don't think he was even targeted more than twice. Um, uh, but Devontae Adams, uh, Aaron Jones, and, and, and Aaron Rodgers have been having all stellar seasons. And, um, Obviously, I think David Bakhtari is injured, so the offensive line is a little bit intact. But they, they, I guess the saying is that defense has won championships, and the Green Bay Packers just walked over the number one ranked defense in the NFL. And when you see that, and sure, Aaron Donald was not at 100%. Obviously, Aaron Donald after the game was devastated. He was crying. Uh, that was a really rough image to see. But when you when you take a look at the score from that game, very similar to what I called it to be, I said 31-13 Packers. It ended up being 33-18, I believe. Something along those lines. Um, but you take a look at what Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers were able to do to the number one ranked defense in the NFL. And you say it, it, it's very hard to, to take a look at that and say, yeah, the Packers are not going to win a Super Bowl this year. And sure, maybe you could say, well, that's recency bias. That's completely reactionary uh, journalism right there, reacting to what you see as opposed to thinking about it in a more analytical and logical way. Um, but I, I'm not looking at just the last week. I'm looking at the entire season's body of work, and I'm taking a look at the, the mental side of the game and how this Green Bay Packers team seems mentally more confident, more consistent, and more dangerous than the other two remaining teams in the AFC. And I think what would be the trump factor over the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is that apart from Tom Brady, that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team has no experience, a very little experience in the playoffs up to this point. And the offense didn't impress me. Again, it's the defense that won the, the game against the Saints for Tampa Bay was uh, Devin White and it was... Um, uh, Huntling with those interceptions against Drew Brees, a Drew Brees that wasn't at the top of his game, clearly that won that game. So, you know, I, I take a look and it's like, it's like, well, I, I see, I see that uh, the, the, the Packers at this point are, are really favorites to be in the Super Bowl. And for me, they're favorites to win it. And I don't see any consistency on the AFC side enough to make me change in that opinion. Uh, the Packers will win the Super Bowl. Uh, I I'm, I'm stamping on it. I'm, I'm, I'm marking this moment uh, and going to come back to it. Um, 
We'll see. We'll see how it pans out. Uh, I'm going to take a quick moment here, just a quick, short little break to make sure that everything is okay. I bumped the side of my desk, so maybe uh, some things came unloose here. We're going to make sure that we're still recording. I'm going to talk while we're doing it. We're going to do a manual on the fly. This is like an oil check for your car. Uh, I'm oil checking my car right now, just making sure that everything is okay, making sure everything's running. Um, <laughs> get your 15% off your hard-headed sports oil check today. If you listen to the show on Spotify and watch the show on YouTube, uh, it looks like everything is still up and running. The camera might have shifted just a little bit. Um, so we're okay. We're good to move on. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. Um, so the remaining two topics I have uh, today, or at least the ones that are bolded, uh, again, if you're, if you're watching the back, uh, this on the backside of YouTube, uh, for the show today, I basically had eight full sentences for each team that played in the NFL divisional round this past weekend. And we're taking, uh, the, the statements that are the most interesting and talking about them. And so far we've talked about Drew Brees, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being ahead of schedule and, uh, the Packers will win the Super Bowl. That opinion, that, that hard headed opinion that the Packers are super, are, are destined to win it this year. Um, the team that, that I think a lot of people would pick against the Packers is the Kansas City Chiefs, and that has been the case. They've been the favorites since the, 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 the lines opened in Vegas at the very beginning of the season. Um, the, the Chiefs have always been Super Bowl favorites throughout this season, but as, as I predicted this past weekend, the Saints, uh, not the Saints, excuse me, the Chiefs had another slow start. Another very slow start for what is supposed to be one of the most high-powered, fast-scoring offenses in the NFL, in NFL history, uh, to come to think of it. And especially with Patrick Mahomes getting his cage rattled like he did, of course, Mahomes left in the third quarter with a concussion, and Chad checked down Henny had to come in and save the game for the Kansas City Chiefs, which good for Chad Henney. I mean, Chad Henney has been on some really, really bad teams, and he has not gotten a fair shake at all. Uh, but to come in and to have that that scramble for a first down on third down, that is something that I think the Kansas City Chiefs will always, and their fans will always remember uh, that moment. And that's good for Chad Henney that he is able to have a career-defining moment like that. When Chad Henney has been on some disastrously bad team, uh, team specifically in Miami and in Jacksonville, so good for first of all, good for Chad Henney. I think that's that's worth mentioning. But beyond that, this was another slow start for the Kansas City Chiefs, and they might be without Patrick Mahomes this this weekend against the Bills, which is my pick to go into the Super Bowl. And it, it's not that. You know, okay, it's like, okay, Patrick Mahomes left in the third quarter, went through concussion protocol, and he is questionable for the game. He is going to play. I, I, I use I use the, 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 the knowledge that Patrick Mahomes is questionable to play with a concussion as, as additive to the fact that I'm just not confident in the Chiefs because on like the 1% chance that he does not play, obviously that's going to be horrible. I don't think as much as I just praise Chad Henney, I don't think he's going to win you a, a playoff football game. Um, 
But even so, Patrick Mahomes coming back after going through a concussion, perhaps having a mild concussion, not going to be 100%. With the Chiefs' offense having such slow starts as they did, that's a recipe for disaster. The Chiefs' defense uh, obviously is good, not great. They'll be able to save a couple of drives, but not really be able to stop an offense for an entire game, especially an offense that's gelling as well as the Buffalo Bills' offense is gelling. But you know, with with Kansas City, it's something that I called attention to at the at uh, at the end of Saturday's show, where it's like, okay, the Kansas City Chiefs, their last three games were a slow start in Atlanta. They struggled against an Atlanta Falcons team that was horrible this year, Week 16, rested starters and lost against the Chargers, Week 17, and then come out against a very hungry Browns team, which which was unable to get it done. We'll talk about the Browns definitely towards the end of the show. Came out against a hungry Browns team and again had a very, very slow start and allowed the Browns to hang around, which the Browns really choked away their chance. I mean, you take a look at the at the score at halftime. Now, granted, the ball going out of the end zone in that game, uh, Rashard Higgins fumbling the ball in the end zone, it resulting in a touchback. If that play happened the reverse of how it happened and that play actually resulted in a touchdown, it would be 10 to 16 going into halftime. And the Browns, the Browns would have won that game if that play was a touchdown instead of a touchback. And I'll hold the, uh, I'll hold to that. The Browns definitely could have won that football game. And uh, for for all of those reasons, it, it, Mahomes being potentially unavailable, the Chiefs having a very slow start. The, the thing that is going to will the Chiefs through if they do make it past the Bills this next weekend, it's going to. F- it's going to be because of Andy Reid. It's going to be because of more experienced coaching. It's going to be because of more aggressive play call. And it's going to be, frankly, just better full talent on the offensive side of the ball. Um, sure, the Bills have Stephon Diggs and and uh, Cole Beasley and a really good wide receiver core. Uh, but the Bills are going to have to run the ball to some degree. And they haven't shown the ability to do that. And uh, I think that... That, in opposition to trying to keep up with a a Chiefs offense, granted, assuming that they don't start slow, like I've said they have been starting, and I think they will continue to start, you know, it's going to be difficult for the the Bills to, uh, to keep up. I feel like I'm bouncing all all over the place right now. The point, the point being not confident in the Chiefs. The Chiefs are in trouble. They're no longer the favorites, in my opinion, just based off of these slow starts. They're without their starting quarterback, at least for now. I mean, if this happened in the regular season, Patrick Mahomes would definitely be sitting next week. But because this is this is the AFC Championship, he'll probably be playing. He'll probably not be 100%. The Chiefs are in trouble. Uh, I, I think I would bet the Bills this next week in, in, in betting. I, I'm not quite sure what the line is, what the spread is at this point. I don't know if those uh, those have come out yet. Uh, if they are, have I haven't seen them. But I, I would take the Bills uh, this this next weekend just because I'm not confident that the Chiefs can overcome another slow start without Patrick Mahomes if he doesn't end up playing. Um, and on the other side of thing, the Browns. The Browns put the NFL on alert. That was my, my sentence to start the show. The Browns put the NFL on alert. And... Sure, some of it was the fact that, hey, Chad Henney came in halfway through the game. 
You're not going to have Patrick Mahomes out there, so it's not going to matter as much. It's not going to be as difficult to stop as if Patrick Mahomes was still out there. But from an offensive standpoint, uh, the Browns put the NFL on alert. I think they squandered their chance a little bit. You know, they they got the slow start that they needed to stay in that ball game. They got the slow start from Kansas City. They were a little slow starting themselves, but once that offense got going, uh, it, it was it was really good football uh, to watch. And again, as I said in the previous segment, if if that if that Rashad Higgins touchdown or if he doesn't fumble and that touchdown turns into a touchback, the Browns win that football game. Instead of 19-3, it turns into 16-10 at halftime. The Browns get the ball again, I believe, at the second half, and the game can turn itself around. And I think the Browns ended up playing well enough yesterday to win. I have some, play, I have some questions about the play calling, especially on that last drive after Chad Henney threw his interception. He absolutely airmailed it over Tyree Kill, which... Yeah, it, Tyreek Hill is the fastest player in the NFL, or at least one of the top two fastest players. So, you know, some forgiving has to be said uh, for Chad Henney for overthrowing Tyreek Hill by that amount. But still, um, I was impressed with Baker Mayfield. I was impressed with how the Browns came out and and didn't, and, and really just the mindset to proving that it wasn't a fluke last week uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It didn't appear to be a fluke. The Browns are no longer the Browns. I think next year, they, if they make the right moves in the free agency market and they keep the players that they need to, they could be Super Bowl contenders. You know, it's not every day. You know, it, ask me like three years ago if the Browns would ever be able to contend with a defending Super Bowl champion and take the defending Super Bowl champion to their limits in a divisional playoff game, I would have laughed you out of the room. But here we are, a couple years later, the Browns were really able to take it to the defending Super Bowl champions. Say what you want about Ch- uh, Chad Henney having to come in for Patrick Mahomes in the third quarter. That that doesn't really make or break the fact that the Browns really ended up playing well. They overcame a slow start. The only, the only, the only negative thing I would say is that they needed to take more of an advantage of the slow start that the Chiefs had, and they played calling by uh, Stefanski needed to be better on that last drive. And of course, that that Rashad Higgins touchback call, if that turns into a touchdown, it's a completely different game. And I, I said on Saturday show, I was picking the Chiefs, but I wouldn't be surprised if I was sitting at this desk telling you that the Browns ended up winning the football game. Even though I ended up being right that the Chiefs would win the game, I'm still very, very pleased with the fact that the Browns were able to prove, and and I'm happy for the Browns that they were able to prove that they were not flukes. They took the Super, the defending Super Bowl champions, uh, champions to their limits, and they almost came away with a victory. I mean, if if Cleveland went crazy over their first playoff victory in however many years against the Pittsburgh Steelers. How crazy do you think Cleveland would have gone if they if they knocked out the defending Super Bowl champions in advance of the AFC Championship game? I mean, that would have gone absolutely nuts. But in the end, I think it was an experience that, that ended up ruining the Browns in that game. 
Uh, obviously, the gutsy call on fourth and one by Andy Reid to throw uh, throw the ball with Chad Henney to Tyreek Hill in the flat uh, to seal the game. That was a gutsy call, great call, great execution. And at that, those, those types of calls are what is going to win you those types of football games. Calls like Andy Reid made against the Browns. You know, driving down the field, you don't make it, you give the Browns excellent field position, you do make it, you win the game. It's those aggressive, gutsy calls that ended up winning the game for the Kansas City Chiefs. You take a look at that in comparison to how the Browns won or ran their last drive after the interception by Chad Henney. And you take a look and you say, yep, there's a clear, stark difference between the aggressive play calling in Andy Reid and some conservative play calling by uh, Kevin Stefanski. And um, I think that that's why I'm saying the Browns put the NFL on alert because even though they lost the game, they, with a lack of playoff experience, were able to play the game well enough and come within striking distance even after having a ginormous setback and a game-changing play with Rashad Higgins fumbling the ball out of the back of the end zone. They still were in striking distance of knocking out the defending Super Bowl champions. And I don't know how you could take a look at everything that happened during that game um, and say, yeah, the Browns, the Browns were a fluke. They didn't deserve to be there. You know, the Browns is the Browns, you know. The Browns put the NFL on alert. They played a really good game. Baker Mayfield didn't turn the ball. Like, he he, he didn't play egregiously bad. He, he, didn't, he didn't turn the ball over a lot. He didn't, he didn't ruin his team's chances of winning the game. I was just really, really impressed by, uh, by Cleveland. And, you know, again, to go back to the last segment, the Chiefs are in trouble. I'm scared for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think, I think we should call that the end of the show there. Obviously I, (laughs) I bumped into my desk and I got a little rattled. Um, so, uh, we, we talked about everything that I think is deserving worth talk about. Uh, maybe we could just throw in a little bit of an afterthought here there. The Rams need to move on for Goff. Um, Goff, it's very clear to me that uh, Andrew Goff, that Jared Goff is not the answer in LA. Um, Cam Akers played extremely well, and I think a lot of the offense is due to Cam Akers. Uh, Goff did not play well enough to win. Uh, it's it's about as what I thought was going to happen in that game is that Goff would be asked to deliver and he wouldn't be able to keep up despite having the best defense. In the league, um, the Ravens need some more help besides Lamar. Lamar Jackson played a decent game. He played; uh, He's one of the best athletes in the NFL, but it was very clear that once the Bills figured out what the Ravens were doing, there was not much else that Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense could do. There was nobody else to turn to. Uh, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins ran the ball fine, uh, but still there was no, there was no vertical passing threat that Lamar could go to. And, of course, there's Hollywood Brown, but it doesn't seem like they really utilized him that well. The Ravens need to do something, uh, or they need something else besides Lamar. And I just I couldn't really think of a tagline for the Bills besides the Bills are that good. Um, they really, especially the Bills defense I was impressed with, they were able to shut down Lamar. Josh Allen had uh, a, another good game. Stephon Diggs had another good game. A good game. That offense is for real. I wouldn't be surprised if they take down Kansas City. I think they will take down Kansas City next week. But yeah, other than that, I guess that wraps up the show. I think the experiment today, and I, I felt 
to just to wrap a bow around it, I said at the beginning of the show, we're going to go on the more unorganized side of things and see where it takes us, just going with general statements for the show and seeing where that takes us. And I think the experiment um, is, well, sure, taglines are very, are, are very, I guess, unique. The taglines were kind of gimmicky in a way as well. I think I wouldn't do it again. I think it made the, the show just a little bit unorganized, but you live and you learn. We're, we're, every show is something to improve on. Every show is something to get better at. So we'll learn, we'll move on, and then we'll get back to it on Wednesday. And uh, that is when I'll see you all. I will see you all on Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Hard-Headed Sports Podcast. For what it was, there's some, some technical gaffes, some organizational gas. We'll fix that all up. We'll repair it. We'll get that hard-headed sports oil change <laughs> ready for Wednesday. Uh, but thank you all so much for watching and for listening. And I really do appreciate the sport. My name is Nick, R- is Nick Ryan. This has been episode five of the Hard-Headed Sports Podcast. So stay hard-headed, but have a nice day.